You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover magic, the gathering finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Alrighty guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabalcast, and this year we are doing our annual What Would We Do Differently episode. Yep. So we're basically taking a look at some things, decision-wise, product-wise, whatever that Hasbro and or Wizards of the Coast have done over the last 12 months, 10 years, whatever, uh, and what we would do differently now with a gift of 2020 hindsight and what that would look like. So with that... Let's get it taken away. So for me, uh, bucketing this episode, I'm kind of looking at uh, the digital side of things um, uh, for Watts and Hasbro both. And the first thing I would like to do if I am Hasbro is to push on Wattsy to ask them to get Pioneer and Modern ready to go on Arena within the next 12 months. Then I want Legacy and Vintage in 24 months and four-person yeah. commander to also launch within probably the next 12 months as well. And I would require that separate teams develop that compared to the others. We are uh, an engineering organization, quote-unquote. We are agile. Uh, we use agile practices. If you read through any of the discourse around their engineering efforts, and that means multiple teams can be working on multiple products at the same time. Yeah. And these are all super important to the client and the player base. Once that's done, you can then figure out how to move collections from Moto to Arena and basically sunset Moto, call it a day, and no longer split your client base. It's time this happens. This fracture needs to end. And this basically, this idea stems from the fact that empty geo traders stepped back as a vendor in the last like month or so yep and uh, there's a desire from players to play pioneer on arena where wasi has tried to align that platform to pioneer yep. ever so slowly right now they have to buy standard cards on moto which are opened by bots which we're seeing step back so the card pool and card availability continues to shrink over time. Meanwhile, if you want to draft, you have to go to Arena, and that puts you and your standard cards there. So there's just this fracture in the community and fracture in the ability to play overall. And I would put, I, I wouldn't put anything in there. The resources are there. I would just gas them for this year. Yeah, I I think. You know, that's that's the thing that's most puzzling to me about the existence of Arena. You know, obviously they licensed out Moto so they didn't have to worry about it as much. But the fact that they want to push Arena, but they don't want to push Eternal formats. And they're, you know, especially with EDH, they're alienating what they claim is their biggest customer with that. Yeah. Uh, so it's just really strange to me that you want to emphasize this online thing while de-emphasizing the pro scene and making sure the online scene can't be casual and approachable. It's just really strange juxtaposition yep. for me and the the last bullet point to tie this all together is that arena is a closed economy there is no trading there are no external hands in the cookie jar watsi is the only person making money here on moto you have bots and other entities moving tickets around shuffling cards around etc and watsi gets no piece of that 
after people buy whatever minimum number of tickets they need to play in events, at least with Arena, it continues to remain yep. you know, a, a cash flow. It is on the books as being in the black effectively. And as yep. we were running up to this episode, I believe the timeless format was released on Arena, and somebody mentioned in one of the discords, I mean, that they were thinking about uh, whether or not timeless could push players to legacy. And I asked why, and they said because of the cards that are legal in timeless. My response was, you can't play demonic tutor and necro in yeah. in legacy. Why would you? Where's the push? This is basically yeah. just like historic plus all the mystical archive cards you don't yeah. uh, setting aside the duels that exist in legacy it, it's basically just some kind of Com weird it's a completely different format yeah it's like one it's like a, a mutant version of pioneer where the, like i said the mystical archives cards yeah are illegal and sure timeless seems like a great format for now it's, it's available on arena only but again it's just another fracture in the player base it's not going to push anybody to yep. anything and if this were to happen to push people into older formats if they can't access it in paper, they want to access it in digital, they have to go to another client to play it. Yep. And that's... It, it's very punishing for your product, and I, I don't understand it. Nope. But, yeah. So that's the first thing I would do this year for Hass, is I would set up, like I said, a year and a two-year plan for Arena. I think that's really good. I, uh, I went a little bit more abstract with this one, and this is just something philosophically I would change <laughs> if I'm Hasbro. Uh, as far as my relationship with Wizards of the Coast goes, and that would be changing my acquisition and licensing philosophy. Obviously, you know, Hasbro tried to get into a few different verticals that they hadn't been in prior in the last year, and it obviously backfired. Yeah. Uh, and the build-up to this episode, Lionsgate finally closed the purchase of E1 from Hasbro, which was funded with Wizards of the Coast money. Uh, so first off, stop trying to position yourself in other verticals. Stick to the verticals you're in, the verticals you know, don't try to go into another lane and pick it up. Just stay in your lane. And the way that relates to licensing is with licensing, try to license out more. Baldur's Gate 3 was a insanely successful game, and it just required them to sign a license with Larian for them to license out the rules and likenesses of their characters. Uh, Solasta of the Magister's Crown is another game that licensed out 5e, or 4e, sorry, uh, so that that could be used as a video game. When we did the episode a little bit ago where we talked about licensing fees and licensing revenue and how Pokemon made so much money just off licensing their characters, Hasbro and Wizards have licensable characters. They have licensable entities. There was at one point a Netflix show with Magic the Gathering. I don't even remember what year that was, but it was after 2020, I think. I would start finding ways to increase monetization of my brands, which are evergreen, with out increasing overhead related to it. So stay in my lane, stop trying to buy things to grow my license, instead license out to other people and let them do things that grow my license. Let them pay you to do the work for you. It's easy, it's simple, they should just do it. Oh, I, I agree. I, as you were saying that, I, I was kind of curious to think back on what I've seen from um, what you can deem as your one-stop pop culture underground shop in Hot Topic. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the um, not the pops, but before then, there were like the four or six inch posable planeswalker figures that existed yeah. out in the wild and Hot Topic did sell them. And then things went dark, which is fine uh, because we came you know, Funko picked up. We moved to pops and those got sold there alongside everything else in the world. 
But now yeah. you have uh, D&D Hat, like a, a movie that came out that people saw, and yep. you have Baldur's Gate 3, like effectively a, a gaming phenomenon in this year. And why aren't we licensing anything from either of those to a place like Hot Topic, which can just push infinite t-shirts and infinite little tchotchkes? It can't be too, too difficult. We're, we're obviously not the wizarding world, so you're not going to be selling ties and shit. Uh, yeah. Right? But you definitely have the opportunity, like you said, to offer these licenses to other companies to work with, and it just doesn't make sense as to why you wouldn't overall. Yeah, I, I don't get it. If I'm Hasbro, within 12 months, I want a one-to-one life-size, like, two-scale, one-to-one body pillow of Garrick. Why yeah. is that not a thing? Why can't you do that? Axel separately. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe a little beast to go with, obviously. Yes, it, it would be great. Yes, yeah. little cuddly guy. Yeah, exactly. It just seems like Hasbro is very hands-on, but they're just clutching Yeah, it's Watsy. It reminds me of, like, it's, it's almost like they remember Wand of Gamelon more than Nintendo remembers oh, yeah. Zelda Wand of Gamelon. Yeah. And they're like, no, we can't risk that. Look, how, your brand isn't as big as okay. Zelda. Nobody's going to care. How are you a Seattle company? And there's a Seattle hockey team named the Kraken, and they don't sell foam fingers. They sell little tentacles, and there's no Kiora tentacle for Kraken fans. How is that not a crossover? Like, Yeah. Like, Jason, Jason Alt would be crying if he found out yeah. that would be – if that found out that was a thing. He like, would. I'm sure. <laughs> there's there's – yep. Oh, there's opportunity here for people to basically just hand you money for your yep. product, for your characters. Uh, what what did Pokemon just move into? It's not is it Fendi bags or yeah, Fendi bags. Yeah, there's gonna be like a there's there's a Balmain fanny pack. Yeah, with Pikachu on it. Yep, like high end fashion. Like these yep. brands are, and they're not like oh etched in. Like no, this is mm -hmm. a whole ass Dratini. That, that's like yeah. the Fendi bag, and like there's a there's a Dragonite bag. These are. Sure, they're Pretty part great. of the, the the original 151, so they have a little more mm -hmm. like where, like where, like they're they're more notable. But they're yeah. still beloved characters in the series. You don't need to put a Pikachu on everything to sell it. You can no. rely on the like 700 or what 800 whatever characters you have, which is probably about what Magic has now. So you could easily market that better for yourselves, and they just for whatever reason seem to choose not to. Yep. So, uh, yeah. as we were talking about Baldur's Gate, uh, again, saying in the digital realm, uh, as Hasbro, I have a problem. Shedding the Baldur's Gate talent, I now need to look into currying favor with developers again. It's mm -hmm. been a rough number of years for studios working with Hasbro, as well as their own internal teams. And at this point, there's little chance they have the talent left to release anything as spectacular as Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. If there's no vision for game development Hasbro, then we're okay. Uh, keeping the lights on, KTLO development is a fine way to maintain the status quo. It is, yeah. uh, I don't believe it's a tax write-off, so you still have to pay your labor for that. But it pays for itself and makes a little bit more because these are meant to be evergreen products that just sit there and require little upkeep, little maintenance, and just making money. But... If we are looking to continue to play in the digital space, no pun intended, and release games on the level of Baldur's Gate 3, 
then we need to prove with actions and not words that we're a good company to work for and yep. a good company to work with. Because right now, all we've done is flush our relationship down the toilet. Yep. I it, it's I don't understand because I feel like we've learned this lesson before. Like we had Microprose Magic, we had Chandelar, mm -hmm. we had all these computer games. We had Magic 2014, I think it was. Battlegrounds is what it. Yeah, no, Battlegrounds, another great yeah, one. Yeah, that was 2003. 2004, I, there's. Yeah. A lot of times where they could have learned the lesson, we should, you know, try to stick with this and make it work, whether it be a third party studio, which is usually the case, mm -hmm. or internal developers, because they actually do produce good games when they're involved. Yeah. And sometimes that involvement should just be, hey, look, you did a really good job for us. We licensed this out to you. Let's bring you on and start developing stuff for us. Move forward. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh they, they don't seem to, like, it, it seems like every time it's, hey, here's a successful thing where we have this passionate team that worked on it, and we basically told them GFY after it was over. Yeah, exactly. Like, wh why is that a thing? And even if you, even if it is just contractual for one game until you have the idea for the next one, then that's fine. That's the contract. But just shedding teams exactly like they do consistently is where the problem lies in and of itself. Uh, think back, there was that, I can't remember the name of the game that we, we baited. Like the... Um, oh, yeah, the like ARPG. the one that got shut down after a year, after uh, Ultimate World yeah. was running it, yeah. Like, Diablo Magic, yeah, basically. Basically, yeah. It, that was... The game was, was fine. It was an interesting way to create an ARPG around deck building, so yeah. it wasn't so it was a little roguelike but not quite it didn't really f fill that but what killed it was the microtransactions and whose request that was uncertain but that relationship ended that you can figure it out though. Know, right <laughs> that that relationship ended fairly amicably compared to what happened with Baldur's Gate 3 which is just in in the let go of these 1100 employees was masked the fact that the BG3 team was just given given the boot as yep. well and i think that's like i said it's 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 really damning for anybody who wants to work with hasbro on yeah. any licensing that isn't part of like an existing like evergreen team like the moto well it's no longer uh, what was the moto team yeah, yeah. what was the moto team what is now the arena team uh, whatever internal software that they require to make you know D and D and and magic run at its core, yeah. but when you're working on the fringes on ancillary elements at any point in time, you're effectively just an at will employee. Yeah. So uh, that that's that would be one of the the biggest things that I try and do is smooth this over because it's it can't be smooth sailing anymore. No, I it, it needs to change clearly. Yep. Uh, my next one it kind of dovetails on that, and I mine is going to be I would want to change Watsi slash developer independence, and what I mean by that is not, you know, selling Watsi. It's giving them a little bit more independence, giving their development a little bit more independence of hey, you know, what kind of structure looks good for you guys design wise mm -hmm. do we want to crank a bunch of stuff out and just throw shit at a wall and see what sticks like you know i've likened it to the toy release model in the past uh i think you know things may have gotten a little too 
shareholder centric lately. And the emphasis is on making money rather than releasing a quality product. Yeah. And what I would do is give wizards a little bit more independence to like, hey, you know, here's our quarterly earnings expectations for you guys. However you want to do it, we trust you at this point because Wizards has been around for 30 years. They're, they're not new to this. They know, again, the vertical that they're in because it's the one thing they've done since they've been around. Yeah. So I would try to give them that independence and that leeway to be like, hey, guys, look, run with it. Here's your budget. Here's your expectations. Go have fun. And to not be as seemingly hands on. Uh, there have been a few interviews that have broken out since all the layoffs of former employees talking about how there was all this pressure to release more stuff, release faster from Hasbro down. Mm-hmm. Get rid of that. It's not a healthy environment for people to work in. It's not good long term for your product. Uh, you know, it's getting loud. People are clamoring that, you know, this model isn't going to work anymore. And eventually it's going to have to hit Wizards of the or it's going to have to hit Hasbro in the pocketbooks. Yeah. Why not just prevent that and let Wizards do the thing they've done? You bought them because they were so good at doing the thing they did. And now you want to turn it into the thing you do. And I just, I think that's stupid. No, I, I agree. And we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks more in depth. But on the surface level, a really good example of this is just what has happened with the Secret Layer series after we changed from the uh, limited release to print to demand, which is yeah. they got extremely watered down. And it became less about all the cards in the secret layer and more about either the name on the secret layer, i.e. the artist, or what Watsi thought was one or two chase cards. And yeah. the rest is basically just a bunch of bullshit. And there were some okay secret layers in, yeah. in this model, but compared to the limited release model, the majority of them, just by the numbers, seem to fall flat. And one of my favorite examples, uh, my wife and I were actually talking about this today, is... Think back to the Transformer secret layer, and not the one that you forgot that has a bunch of cards in it that you can't remember. Yeah. Think back to the one that is Optimus Prime and the AllSpark in Blightsteel Colossus. So, and I.E. Megatron, sorry. Yeah. Optimus, Megatron, AllSpark. And AllSpark, I believe, is Doubling Cube, a weird commander mm-hmm. card that like is a combo card, basically. And the people, yeah. the people who played it knew what it did. And that was interesting for visibility because that's a difficult card to reprint. It comes from Mirrodin, so there's not a lot of places you can put it. Cool. Yeah. Optimus Prime is Darksteel Colossus, a card that was outmoded, like, shortly after its printing. And Megatron was Blightsteel Colossus. And that was the, the price. The card that outmoded it. Yeah. The card that outmoded it, effectively. Yeah. And that was the price to entry for that secret layer. There are so many problems with the fact that, basically, you could pay less than retail. Well retail meeting tcg market for a blightsteel colossus just by buying the secret layer in foil or not but also from a story standpoint why why the hell does megatron shrink optimus prime out of existence if those two butt heads optimus prime just literally withers and dies yeah that is from a story point as well you're missing the point guys (laughs) that is from a story point really miserable like you just miss on all points another really good example is uh, this is another one I remember tonight. Well, again, my wife and I were talking about it. There, are, there are there were limited release secret layers over the last couple of years that they did at Mythic Championships and like mm-hmm. a Magic Fest Vegas. Uh, I don't remember which Vegas it was, but there was one called I think Little uh, Lil Geary. It was just a little Oni Geary on like four or five cards, including yep. a Chaos Warp, and I think it was done at a Vegas. And from what I heard, 
and like this like vendors who walked away with them nobody wanted to actually buy them there nope there was just a vendor shuffle people went yep. there expecting to move it because they'd been able to move them previously on the floor to vendors but nobody want no vendor really wanted the, this little geary the reason i knew vendors that, that ended up with them was because judges also got them for whatever reason either because it was just one of those things like here thank you or like hey you're here early so go to the shop and they bought some <laughs> yeah and then they got hoisted on them, so it just became somebody else's personal problem to deal with. But that thing was miserable. That was another miss. I think there's a Chaos Warp in there. That was, like, the best card. But at that point yeah. in time, that was, like, the sixth, seventh printing of Chaos Warp. The card hold no, holds no value, really. And the art on it is not something people care about at all from that series. No, not at all. Conversely, the secret layer from, I think, Magic Fest Philly had cats again. Yeah. Same style cat art. It was like Lord Windgrace and then a handful of cards with cats on them that weren't related, and the cards weren't related to cats. Gangbusters. Yeah. Art was great. Cards didn't matter. Like, they have an idea of what they're doing. They can't hone it in, and, and like, a lot of them are just swings and misses. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, it, especially, like, the Secret Layers is a prime example of, you know, trying to go, trying to change Wizards of the Coast into Hasbro. Yep rather than letting them exist on their own as they have. And yep. that, that was what was really... Yep, we need... That's upsetting to me. Yeah, we need more products, get more products out there. Okay, here's the Sacred Layer Series. Okay, we need more products. People need to be able to buy more. Okay, unlimited. Okay, but we need more per quarter, more per month. Okay, well, All we're right. running out of ideas. We'll just start throwing shit at the wall and see what sticks. Yep. I'm like, cool. And that's basically where we are with that. And that that is that very hands-on approach and when you step back and just let watsy do what watsy does eve you know they make money yeah they're exactly good. they're great yep and they they, they can everything figure out, you want they can figure out what they want to work with and who they want to who they want to work with like people are yep. just getting their john avon secret layers like every now and again they they're able to lock down john avon for something and then it just yeah. sells infinitely like cool but you can't you also can't rely on that forever you got to figure out some no. stuff in between yeah like, was the Dan, the Dan Frazier signets? Cool. Right. Yeah, those were awesome. Great. But can you explain to me why in the Shocklands release, like two of them were in two different secret layers? Like why right. weren't all ten spread out evenly? Yeah. Like dumb shit like that. It it just doesn't sit well with me having seen what Wizards was before. That you know it again, old man screaming into the clouds. Uh, that is the most core issue to me of the entire problem with Hasbro owning Wizards of the Coast is that they have tried to mold Wizards of the Coast into another Hasbro rather than letting them exist as they have. Yeah, and if you don't, then you miss, like, you're going to end up in the red again. Or if you squeeze them too hard and their ideas yeah. are too bad and the product just tanks, you're going to end up in the red again. Again. So if you're going to rely on Watsi to be your cash cow, you do have to ease up. You do yep. have to let them do what they do. You can't just assert yourself into the situation nope. and impose your will on this company forever. People will speak out. The product will fail. Yeah. So It's not, not what you should want. Exactly. Um, so next week we're going to come back. We've got two more points each. Uh, they basic, I think the last two points that we have align pretty well, so we wanted to save yeah. them. For next week we'll get our picks there as well and then uh i don't want to say thankfully but today uh there was a tweet from marrow that came out in regards to 
again, the deluge of product that we'll be talking about in a couple of weeks because it does segue pretty nicely uh, with the rest of our episodes. So for at MTG Kabalcast on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube, I am at Halt, I am Reptar. I am at Damon underscore Thurston. And we'll see you next week.